Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good? Hey, wow. We can do better than that. I said, how you guys doing? Good? Hey, listen, man, we are in the Fixer Upper series. How many of you guys have seen the show Fixer Upper? Where are you at? Fixer Upper, you guys seen the show where they build those houses that we'll never own, right? So listen, we, we, uh, I love that show. And one of the things that they do in Fixer Upper is whenever they're getting ready to go into the house and they're getting ready to renovate the house and they're going to make it brand new, they got to go in and tear some stuff out, right? And they call it Demo Day. And today I want to talk to you about Demo Day. Turn to your neighbor and say Demo Day. Because what I believe is that as God wants to renovate our life, as God wants to do something new in our life, when we look at Fixer Up and we look at the TV show, we see how God wants, or the, how they go in and they tear some stuff out and they get ready to renovate it. But when they renovate it, they're not renovating it so that they're not trying to remodel it so that it kind of looks the same, but it just has a fresh paint job. They're renovating it so it looks like a brand new house. And when we talk about Fixer Upper, man, we're talking about how God doesn't want to come in and just remodel our life and put some new paint on it. You know what I mean? He's not trying to put lipstick on a pig, metaphorically, right? He wants to come in and renovate our life and make us brand new. That when God gets a hold of us, there should be a brand new person. But before he can renovate our life, how many guys know sometimes, I would say, dare to say, all the time, there's some stuff that's got to go. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So turn to your neighbor and say, it's got to go, Right? And uh, if you have a spouse, you already know what their stuff is, right? Y'all looking at them like, listen, I can name it off. I got the list right here. No, listen. Right, but it's got to go. There's some things in our life that if God is going to do something brand new, he's got to get some stuff out. And we're going to look at that today. Before we do that, we're going to start uh, with our theme verse for uh, this month. So if you want to take your notes out, you should have got them on the way in the door. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature. That's what they're talking about. That's what we're talking about today, demo day. Getting rid of, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. This is my favorite part. Put on your new nature, something that should be brand new. doesn't look like the old thing. It looks like the new thing. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That when God gets a hold of our life, he starts to renovate us. Man, it's a new thing. We should look new. We should act new. We should walk new. We should talk new. There should be newness that just comes out of us. Why? Because God has gotten a hold of our life. And so today we're talking about Demo Day. We're going to talk about the story of Joseph. And if you've been saved a while, you probably heard the story of Joseph. So we're going to, we're going to move our way through his story. And as we move our way through his story, we want to point out some things about Demo Day. Because there are areas of our life that I believe God wants to clean out, but there's some, and, and I think that it's very easy to identify those when they're negative, right? How many guys know it's not very easy to find the hard things that God wants to get rid of, addictions and problems and situations. We can identify those easily, but I believe there's also a few other things that God wants to get rid of, and we'll look at that as we move forward. So Joseph is, in the book of Genesis, he's born to a family. He's got a lot of brothers, um, and so that's kind of where we jump in. So he's a part of a family. He's got a lot of brothers. He, he's with his dad. He's his dad's favorite. And that's exactly where we jump into the story. And as we get into that, as we read, before we read that first verse, what I want to show you is that when God wants to demo your life, God knows what's got to go. That first point on your notes, God knows what's got to go. And man, so many times God comes into our life and as he starts to demo, right, as he starts to tear some things out, we start to become attached to some of the things he's trying to get rid of. And we have to recognize that when God starts pulling things out of our life, we just got to let that stuff go, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go. You're going to talk to your neighbor. I hope you like them, all right? Hope you, I hope you had a tic-tac before service. because you. But God knows what's got to go, right? 
So let's jump into our story of Joseph, 37, Genesis 37, 3, right? It says, now Israel loved Joseph. So his father loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he was the son of his old age. In other words, Joseph was his youngest, right? He was the baby in the family. And he made him a robe of many colors, right? So he makes him this robe of, of many colors. And this is his identifier, right? And what, I want, what happens is now Joseph has this robe. And so he has this like sense of entitlement, man. Joseph is, is entitled. And, and I would dare to say he, he probably has a bit of an attitude. I know in the Livingston house, if, if one of my parents were to give us something and say that we were the favorite child, we'd be strutting around that bad boy like a peacock. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, y'all see it. I'm the favorite. All y'all are terrible. You know, like that's, that's how, you know, I don't know what y'all would do in y'all's house, but that's what we would do in our house. It would go over like a lead balloon, but that's what we would do. So, so he's entitled. He's got this attitude that tends to come out of him. Now he's innocent, but he's entitled, right? And so we want to look at what happens because then Joseph comes in and, man, so Joseph has this dream. And in his dream, uh, he has a hay bale and all his brothers have one too. And all his brothers' hay bales come and they bow down to his, Right? And so his brothers say, oh, so the interpretation of the dream is that one day we're going to bow down to you. And uh, Joseph's like, well, yeah, you know, and I can tell you how that would have went in the Livingston household too, right? <laughs> like, so it just ties them up, put them in the closet, don't tell mom and dad, you know, until they're looking for him three days from now. No, like, but that's how it would have went. So, but in reality, that's exactly what happens. So when he tells them that, they come to him and they, they connive behind the scenes and they're like, listen, let's just kill him. <laughs> like, Whoa. I feel like someone should have stepped in and be like, whoa, wait a second, let's calm down, right? Which the older brother did. He's like, whoa, let's not, let's not do that. Let's not get carried away. And so they come in and they're like, listen, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take his coat, we're going to tear it, cover it with uh, an animal's blood, and we're going to throw him in a pit. And so that's exactly what they do. They throw him in a pit. Y'all know, so y'all sitting out there like, bro, these brothers are something else. Like, just throwing him into a pit? So they throw him into this pit, and when he gets thrown into the pit, we see that they come in, and that's what we see in Genesis 23 and 24. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. So they throw him into a pit, right? But when they take his coat, what I want you guys to see is what they did is this was the first step in Joseph's journey where they take away his entitlement. They take away this thing that was his. And throughout his journey, as you're going to see, he's going to be constantly put in a position where he's going to have to accept humility and accept this path that he's on, even though it's not fair. Turn to your neighbors and say, sometimes it ain't fair. Right? Sometimes it ain't fair. Y'all know exactly. So they're like, my coworker, he's getting promoted, and they don't do nothing all day long. Anyway, so that's a different sermon. So, right, so they come in, and what I want you to see is this quote by Wayne Stiles is so good, man. It says this. It says, it's hard, but it's true. Sometimes God removes good things from our lives for our good. And that, that, the coat of many colors wasn't a bad thing. That wasn't a bad thing in his life, but it was taken from him. And we're going we're gonna to see a few more things that gets taken from him, but that there's a purpose, right? And so sometimes they got to come in and clear out some, some, uh, some good things out of our life. It's easy to recognize why God needs to get bad stuff out of our life. We all know what that looks like. But sometimes he needs to get some good things. Sometimes there's some relationships that we feel like are good in our life, but he wants to get those out of the way because they're going to stop us from the purpose that God wants us to fulfill. And so he comes in and wants to do that. I know in my house, uh, how, many, where, how many of you guys are sentimental in your house? Like you're the sentimental one in your house, right? You, just want, you want to keep everything. Like, oh, this is the T-shirt that my great-great-grand-aunt or whatever gave to me, and I need to keep this, and we're going to put it in a box, right? Sentimental people, y'all get on my nerves, okay? Listen, if you ain't needed it in a year, you don't need it, right? So 
My, my wife is sentimental, man. She's the type of person, when we were growing up, she was in high school, uh, she would take, she, she took pictures of everything and everybody. She just had pictures of friends. She had so many photos that she like made wallpaper in her bedroom that was nothing but photos of all her friends and her family. Like she just had pictures of everybody. And this, you had to be committed. Y'all remember, back in the 90s, you had to be committed to a photo because you had to take it. Then you had to take it to the store then they had to develop it. You had to wait three days. They had to call you. You got to go back and pick it up. So you had to be committed to that type of thing. Now, now, y'all young kids, now y'all don't understand the struggle that we had to go through, right? And then we can go back to the Polaroid. Y'all know what I'm talking Anyway, so shake it like, anyways, no, that's a different thing. But my wife is sentimental, man. She, she loves to do those things. Like she, she's just that sentimental type of person. So she's the worst person in the world to clean out our house because she doesn't clean it out. She just rearranges it to where it looks like it's cleaned out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So she'll come in and like, oh, man, babe, we need to go through this stuff. We need to get rid of some of this. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. So she'll go in and she'll go through all of it, rearrange it, minimize it so it's not stacked so high. She's like, yeah, 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 I went through all the stuff. What that really means is she hid a bunch of stuff because I have the attitude. I'm like, listen, if we haven't needed it in 12 months, it's going in the trash, right? Or we're giving it to somebody, but it doesn't need to stay in this house. And so I'm that type of person. She's a sentimental type of person. She wants to keep things, even though she doesn't need them, she still wants to keep them. And that's a, that's a tangible way for us to see, but how many of us in life, we got things in our life that we don't need. Quite frankly, they're not really good for us. And God's trying to come in and get those things out of our life, but we're like, no, 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 I might need it one day. Or that relationship might get better one day. Or this situation might get better one day. And God's trying to say, no, 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 you need to get that thing out. God, I want to hold on to this. He's like, get it out. It's got to go. And so we see that in this situation, man, that there are things in Joseph's life that are going to have to come out of his life. But how about you? Bad things come out of my life. I accept that pretty easily. When good things are trying to come out of my life, I start trying to hang on to that. I don't know about you, but I am the worst person in the world to try to run my own life. I've tried that before. It was terrible. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I am not a good decision maker when it comes to my own personal life. Giving it to Christ has been the best thing that we've ever done, right? So, so we go in, we got to know what's got to go, and God knows what's got to go. But then once God knows what's got to go and he starts to pull things out of our life, how many of you guys know that, number two, there's pain in that process? When things start coming out of our life, man, there's pain in that process, right? So what happens to Joseph is he, he comes in, right? So he's, he's stripped uh, of his robe, put in a pit, and then his brothers are like, oh, snap, here's some people coming. Let's just sell them. <laughs> what? what? You know, like it's crazy to say it out loud. We read in the Bible, it doesn't seem like a big deal. When we say it out loud, it's like, this is insane. So they sell him into slavery, right? And so they, he goes into slavery, then he gets put in Potiphar's house, and once he's in Potiphar's house, he, starts, he becomes a slave in his house. And now that he's a slave in his house, we go and we see this is what happens. His wife comes to him, and uh, Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph. The Bible says that he was very attractive, right, that he was, he was a good-looking young man, right? And so uh, Potiphar's wife is like, hey, right? And so she sees him, she, she starts to throw herself at him, and he says, no, like, I can't do that. No, I'm not, I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to lay with you. She says, no, like, you know, and so he, he turns it down. Well, then it happens again, but this time when it happens, there's no one else in the house. So she throws himself, and he says, no, but he was close to her, and she grabs his coat, right? So this coat that he's wearing, she grabs it, and as she grabs it, he starts to, to turn away, and she starts to scream, and as she screams, he starts to take off, like, no, you ain't catching me and all this. So he starts to take off, and when he leaves, she keeps his coat, 
But then as the people come, because she's screaming, she says that he tried to bring, put himself on her. In other words, like he tried to force himself on her. And that's why she tells the guards. And so we pick up in Genesis 39, 19, and 20, and we see that Potiphar comes home and he ain't happy, okay? As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, she says, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. That means he got mad. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So he gets taken, put into prison. So let's talk about the journey of Joseph for a second. He gets a coat, he's his dad's favorite, and he has a dream, and he interprets the dream and tells his brothers. Mistake number one, right? So then he gets his coat taken away, put in a pit, sold into slavery. Then he gets accused of rape, didn't do it. Then he gets put in prison for something he hasn't done yet. How many guys would say Joseph's life isn't quite fair at this point, right? How many guys sometimes you feel like you can relate to Joseph? Like you're looking around like, God, what in the world are you doing in my life right now? Right? And so we see, we see that Joseph is, is going through all of this. But what you and I have to understand is that Joseph's pain is part of his process to getting to his purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say there's a purpose, right? That Joseph's pain is part of his process to get to his purpose. And I know in my life, man, my son is sick. For those of you who are new, maybe it's your first time here, my son is sick. He's got a brain disease. And I know there's been times in our life where I've looked at God and been like, what are you doing? I know some of you, none of y'all can relate to that, right? Looking at God like, what are you doing? Like, why, are you, why, why this, you know? And as we're going through all that and we start to understand that, man, we have to understand that whatever we're going through, whatever torment, whatever situation, whatever problem, whatever we're going through, that God has a purpose for that pain because that pain is connected to our purpose. The process that we go through, nothing that we're going through is an accident. God has ordained our steps. And so as we navigate through that, we understand that the pain is part of the process to get to our purpose but what we have to look for through that pain, number three, is that there has to be comfort in our chaos. Is that there's comfort in our chaos. And man, I don't know about you guys, but life tends to get chaotic without me asking for it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And if y'all have kids, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, man, if y'all don't sit down somewhere. Anyway, so, like, life gets chaotic without us asking for it. I remember when... Uh, I remember when uh, we, Ashley and Jamin, they were out of the house for about a week, and, and so I was there. And so when, because they were gone, I figured I would take advantage of that opportunity to put new floors in our house. Um, and so we, I, I, we actually had the flooring in our garage for far longer than I'd like to admit. But anyway, so we decided it was that time. Like, I decided, you know what, we're going to do this before. So we had a couple of the guys from the church and they come, like, come in. We, lay, they, we is a loose term. They laid floors in my house. Uh, and so we, they came in and they put floors in. And, and, um, and what happens, but I'm the type of person, like, when things get chaotic around me, I start to shut down. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, so uh, if, like, if this is disorganized and that's disorganized, and these things are disorganized, I start to pace, and then I become very ineffective. So I'm like, oh, no, oh. Like, I just, I get, like, jittery and anxiety. <laughs> like, when things are disorganized, like, man, it messes me up. And so usually, if me and Ashley are trying to clean a room in the house, by the time she pulls everything out, because she's not, like, I'm a Tetris type of cleaner. So I like, I like to clean this thing and move it over here, and then I'll clean that thing and move it over here, right? She's the type of person, like, let's just tear it all out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 right? And so I, I get, like, anxiety real bad. What was funny, though, is I remember coming in the first day because I, I went to work, and Anthony and the guys, they had 
<laughs> they had moved all our furniture around. Um, and so I remember walking to the house, and it was just like that moment of like, oh. <laughs> right? Like there's dressers over here, like beds over there. It's like, but I, I, one of the things that I noticed, man, as I walked into the um, kind of the first room that had gotten kind of completely done as we were moving through the house, and I remember walking into our master bedroom. And when I walked into our master bedroom, like it, it was completely done at that point. And I remember as I looked into that room and I saw the finished product, I got comfort in the chaos of the unfinished product. And what we have to do in our lives is realize that, listen, chaos isn't going to stop because life keeps coming and we live in a sinful world. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, there's always going to be something that's going on around us. And, and so as chaos is happening in our life and things are happening in our life, what we can't do is become fixated on the chaos and not realize that there's comfort in the chaos. And my comfort in that time was realizing that God had already, that they had already finished something. And when we reflect on our personal lives, we have to realize that even though there are things in our life that we're not happy with right now and we wish were different than they are right now, and we would change the situations if we can, what we have to do in those moments is look back to the finished products that God has already brought us out of. In other words, like the relationship may not be what you want, to do, what you want it to be right now, but it's not hard to look back at the last thing that God came through and finished the work in your life. And so when I look at someone I'm praying for and I'm like, God, I want you to just do a miraculous work in their life. I want you to save them. I want you to reveal yourself to them. And I feel like I'm getting nowhere. And I feel like that whole thing is chaotic. I look back to the last time I prayed for someone and God came through in that situation. Situation. And I say, if he hadn't finished this yet, but I remember when he came through this time and he finished the work. And so I'm going to believe that in this chaos, he's going to bring me comfort and he's going to finish this work. And everything in my life where I feel like he's not done yet, all I got to do is look back at the times where he already finished and realize he's always faithful to finish the good work that he started. And I apply that to the things that aren't finished yet and know that God is always going to come through for me. And so we Look for comfort in that chaos because chaos is coming, but God is faithful to bring comfort to those who seek it out, right? So we see that Joseph was thrown into the prison. We pick it up in Genesis 39, 21 through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. In other words, God was showing him comfort in the midst of that chaos. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. So not only is he in prison, but he's put in charge of other prisoners while he's in prison. That's favor. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And that's how God even though things may not be exactly what you want it to be, things may still be chaotic. God can bring comfort into that chaos and, and help you navigate. That's why I love 21 days of prayer, man. We were coming in, um, and I, mean, I come to the ones that I can come at 6 a.m. because I watch Javen in the mornings. But even then, man, I turn on, uh, I, I tune Highlands, uh, Church of the Highlands into my kitchen, and I have 21 days of prayer in my kitchen while you, some of you guys are here. And listen, if you can make it Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the kids' zone, Saturday at 9 a.m., we meet right here in the sanctuary. Through 21 days of prayer, and there's something unique about spending time with the Lord before you walk into a world that you know is chaotic. Because the whole point of 21 days of prayer isn't for you to get to day 22 and be like, well, that was fun. The whole point of 21 days of prayer is that when you come to day 22, you go, I think I want to keep this going. I think I want to spend time with the Lord every day before I start it. 
Why? Because that's where you're going to find some comfort before you get to the chaos. Because I work with some people. Man. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I work on staff, so we do good around here. But it wasn't long ago that I remember working in offices where I was like, God, I'm going to need you today because i got to deal with this person right now. And I just can't, okay? Like, so why? To bring comfort to before we get to that chaos. The next thing that God wants to do as we're being comforted in the midst of everything that's going on is then God wants to step in and he wants to take out the trash, Turn to your neighbor and say, take out the trash. We got some stuff. How about you guys? There is some stuff in my life that I don't let just anybody see, but the Lord is going to be faithful to remove. Y'all know what I'm talking about? For some of y'all, it's, for some of y'all you know, it's addiction. For some of you guys, it's problems. Some of you, it's, it's hidden sin. For some of you, it's friends. Come on, somebody. Y'all, some of y'all need to get some of them out of your life, man. I mean, I wouldn't call them trash to their face, but, well, anyway, so... Take out the trash. That's why I love fasting. You know, we're in the 21 days of prayer. We're also fasting. I'm fasting sugar. Um, and come day three, the, the headaches, man, that were going on, I was like, there was a couple of days I was delirious sitting at my desk trying to look at a computer screen. Like, man, my head hurts so bad. Thank God Deb. Deb works in the office with us. We call her mom. So uh, she's always got like ibuprofen or something. And we're like, uh. so, but I'm sitting there and I, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, if my body is this reliant on something, then it's a good thing that I'm getting it out. And can I tell you something? It may not be your body, but it might be your spirit is reliant so much on something that it's a good thing that you need to get it out. If, you, if you're seeking approval from your friends so desperately that you'll do anything to get it, you need to get those friends out. Like, if you're making bad decisions around certain family members just so that you can gain their approval and their love, you need to get them out. But there's some stuff that needs to go. And then, we, man, we need to get the trash out of our life. And so what happens in, is that Joseph is in the prison, right? So he's in this prison, he comes in, and, and uh, there's two other, uh, two other particular prisoners in there. There's a cupbearer and a baker. Uh, and so they're in the prison with him, and he sees them one day, and it's, the Bible says that their heads are held low. And so he comes up to them and says, hey, what's wrong? And they say, man, we had two dreams. Both of us had a dream, and we don't know what it means. And so Joseph says, well, only God can interpret dreams, so tell them to me. And as, as a dream interpreter himself, he says, well, tell them to me. And, and so they tell him his dreams, and he's like, well, this is what it means. He's like, one of you is going to be restored back to the position that God brought you out of. The other one's going to die. Right? I wonder if Joseph, I, I, feel, like, I feel like Joseph might have played a game. I'm not going to tell you which one is which, but no, I'm just kidding. Like, but he's, he says, one of you is going to be restored, one of you is going to die. And, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happens. But here's the deal is that I want you guys to understand, because Joseph was fulfilling his purpose even in his prison. Joseph was fulfilling his purpose even in his problems. And so often we're looking for God to get us out of our problems when what God wants to do is get our problems out of us. And so we're saying, God, get me out of this prison. God's saying, no, 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 you got to be in this prison for me to get this thing out of you. Because what Joseph needed was humility. What Joseph needed was for his attitude to change so that when the moment of opportunity to fulfill the very purpose that God had for him arose, he would have the heart that was ready to fulfill it. We're getting to that point, all right? We're almost there. And so we're looking for God to get us out of our problems, but God wants to get our problems out of us. So many times we're looking for God to get us out of painful situations. When God doesn't want to get us out of the painful situations, God wants to get into the painful situations with us to show us that he's faithful as we navigate these situations. And so what do we see is that we see that he comes in, right? So had Joseph not had the trash removed from his life, he wouldn't have maintained and fulfilled the purpose that he has, 
And so the next thing that we want you to see is that your renovation, your reno, is dependent on your demo. Your renovation is dependent on your demolition. That God can't build this new thing until he tears down the old thing. There's not going to be a new you while the old you is still walking around. That he wants to tear something down so that he can build something back up. So what happens is we see that uh, Joseph comes in, so he interprets those dreams. He tells uh, the, the cupbearer, he says, listen, when you get restored back to your position, do me a favor. Tell Pharaoh that I don't deserve to be here. Right? He tells him, like, don't, don't leave me here. Tell him I shouldn't be here. I didn't do anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. So tell him, get me out. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, he, so he tells him. But what he's doing when he's saying that is telling God and telling everyone else that he's not quite ready yet for the thing that God wants to do. I think back to Paul. When Paul was put in prison, he was like, hey, listen, man, arrest me. I'm going to preach the gospel in prison. Like, let me loose. I'm going to preach the gospel when I get out. He's like, put me on an island. I'm going to preach to whoever I find. Like, snake bitten, doesn't matter. Throw something, doesn't matter. Like, Paul was committed to his mission. He was committed to the purpose that God has for him. And all the affliction that he experienced in the process was just part of the deal because he understood that all of it was getting him closer to where he was supposed to be, which is glory in heaven. And so we see Joseph, as he's still declaring when he's in prison, like, hey, get me out. I shouldn't be here. Get me out. I shouldn't be here. And God's like, ah, you're not ready yet. you got to stay a little bit longer. And can I tell you something, guys? As long as you're declaring to God why you shouldn't be where you're at, God's showing you that you're not ready to get where you're going. And so we see that he comes to him, but then what happens is Pharaoh has a dream. And so Pharaoh has this dream, and, and he wants to know uh, what it means. He doesn't know what it means. And so the cupbearer is with Pharaoh and says, hey, man, there was a guy in prison that interpreted a dream for me and for another guy, and it came true. I can go get him, and he can tell you what your dream means. And Pharaoh, so Pharaoh sends for him. So uh, Joseph comes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him his dream, and Joseph says, listen, a famine's going to hit the land. You need to do this. 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 You need to do this, right? Genesis 41, 41 through 43 right? 41 through 43. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. He just came from prison and Pharaoh's put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Listen, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're, regardless of what you're coming from, regardless of where you feel like you're going, and regardless of why you feel like you're disqualified for anything in your life, God has a great way of moving you from the prison to the palace, my friend. Like if he wants to, if he wants to move you quickly, he can do that, right? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger, and dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So he gets put in the charge of the whole land of Egypt. And, and so Joseph is now gone like you. We can see this journey, right? This long decades, decades of a journey. But we're reading it quickly to see how God was moving him through the process, moving him through the process, moving him through the process. And so what happens is now Joseph is gone through all the process. So he's gone from the house to the pit, to the palace, to the prison, and back to his position where God wants to fulfill everything he wants to do and the purpose. But what happens is the famine hits the land. And so this famine hits, and they're trying to figure out, man, what are we going to do? How, you know, but Joseph had already supplied the answer. And so they execute this agricultural answer to the famine that was coming, and they started storing up for so many years, and they come in and do all that. And, 
And so what happens is, is when the famine hits the land, guess who has to come to the palace to get their food? His brothers. And he's brought full circle to where he's now sitting in front of his brothers and it's been so long, decades have gone by that his brothers don't even recognize him as they sit in front of him. I'm sure they probably thought he was dead or something. But they sit in front of him and as they sit in front of him, right, they, they come to get food and, and the Bible says that Joseph was moved with compassion that in that moment, I could imagine, I, I like to think like if it were me, if I were Joseph, I'd be waiting for that day that he knew his brothers were gonna have to show up because of the famine. In my heart, because God, had, he ain't done with me yet. Come on, somebody. Like, I'd be like, oh, let them come. I'm gonna have them mopping some floors. Right? But what we see, what happens with Joseph is, is because of the journey. See, God knew what had to go because had, had Joseph not gone through the journey, his heart would not have been moved to the degree and he would not have been put in the position to create the solution for the land. Not only for the land, but for his family and not just for his family, but for himself. Because what we don't realize is had Joseph not gone on the journey, he would have died in the famine too. And if we don't let God work his plan out in our life, we will die in the famine that we're, we're not realizing he's trying to save us from. We'll die in the dry place that God wants to rescue us from. And we don't wanna go through uncomfortable situations not realizing that all of that is part of the process to get us to our purpose that God has. So Joseph, again, his brothers come to him, they bow down and he's moved with compassion and, and long story short, they, they, through a series of events, create a restoration where he gets to stand in front of his brothers and acknowledge who he is. And what I think of when I hear the story of Joseph is going back to the, the show Fixer Upper. When I, when I think about it, they go in and one of the things that they do in just about every house that they go into is they go in and just tear down all the walls and create what they call an open layout. Y'all know what I'm talking about when they say open layout? You can see the kitchen from the living room, from the hallway, from the what it like, it's wide open. And the phrase that is used almost every time they do that is, this feels like how the house was supposed to be when it was designed. And what I think is that God comes in and, and when, he, when he saves us or when he, he built us, when he formed us in our mother's womb, as the Bible says, is that he, he establishes us with an open layout, with a purpose, right? Designed how we're supposed to be. But as we go through life, we experience things that cause us to throw up walls. And so, man, this, this person hurt me. And because this person hurt me, I'm never gonna let another person hurt me like that again. So we throw a wall up and, and we go through this situation and we don't feel like that was fair. And because God let us down, we throw a wall up because we're not gonna let God, we're gonna hold God back at a certain distance. And, and because this, the, our marriage hasn't gone well here, we're gonna throw a wall up between me and my spouse. And, and because this over here has gone this way, and I, I, I feel like this addiction is ruining me. I'm gonna throw a wall up here because this person did this. And what happens is through our life, we start out with a clean slate, but through life in the situations that we come in contact with, we start to throw up walls and those walls start to cave in the very purpose and the layout that God had established for us. But can I tell you something that in your demo day, in this season where God wants to come into your life, he wants to start tearing out those walls. You need to have healthier relationships with people than you've ever had before. That wall that you've put up between you and other people because someone else hurt you 20 years ago, it's time for that wall to come down. 
that wall between you and your spouse because an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend or an ex-spouse hurts you, that wall's gotta come down. Because there's a purpose for your marriage and if the enemy can keep that wall up, he can stop you from getting where you're going. And so what happens is, is through life, we throw up walls. And God said, man, it's demo day. I wanna come into your life. I wanna tear all that stuff out. And I wanna get ready to rebuild a purpose in you. Why? Because just like Joseph, yeah, is your pain real? You bet it is. Does it feel like it's fair? Probably not. Would you, would you have chosen a different path had he let you? Absolutely. But do you get that choice? Absolutely not. Why? Because the plan that God has for you is the plan that he wants to fulfill and a purpose that he wants to introduce you to. And so God wants to complete the renovation in your life. But before he does that, he's gonna walk you through a season, a season of demolition to get things out. And so what I wanna do, do with you today before we pray is I wanna, I wanna pray for you. And before we pray, before we, we talk about people accepting Jesus and, and getting saved, what I wanna do is pray for those of you that are in this room that you're going through a season of demolition right now and God is tearing some things out. And I genuinely believe that there are some of you that have been frustrated You've been angry at God, and, and the, the, the way I, God spoken into my heart is that some of you are, are in a tug of war right now with who's going to be in control over your life. That you're, you're trying to wrestle back, just like Joseph in the prison. Tell him, I don't deserve to be here. You're, you're arguing with God. God, why are you doing this? God, why are you doing that? God, why? And instead of learning what you're supposed to learn in this season in life, you're wrestling with God over why it's not fair that you're there and that God wants to do something fresh in your life and he wants to go ahead, the last little bit of garbage that you got hidden in there, those last few walls that you've left, that let stay up, that stopped you from your purpose, God wants to tear those things down right now and get ready to rebuild you in a new way. So let's just pray today. God, I just pray over every person that's in this room, Father. God, I just pray that you would tear down walls that we've put up. God, those areas of our life where, where, God, we've been hurt before or where we feel like things aren't fair, God, I just pray that you come in and that you tear those things out of our life. God, I pray right now, Lord, that as those things start to be removed, God, that you help identify other areas of our life that you're gonna start to remove things, Father. You're gonna start to remove areas, God. You're gonna start to remove walls. You're gonna start to remove pain. You're gonna start to remove situations, God. And as we experience that, as we navigate that, as we go, Father, and we, as we move forward, God, that, and you tear those areas out of our life, Father, that you show us the purpose that we're meant to fulfill. You give us the plan. You give us the destiny. You give us the direction, God. And we know that we're gonna fulfill it, Father, because you are faithful faithful and you always have been. So God, for all of us, Father, that are going through seasons or as maybe in the future, we're gonna go through a season where we're, we're gonna have to experience some demolition in our lives. You're gonna have to tear some things out. God, I pray that you show us, God, and you encourage us that there's a finished project coming. There's a finished product coming where you're gonna complete all things. So God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, as you continue with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I, I do want that purpose and I do see how God could be working through my life, but right now I'm, I, I'm not even in a position where I even know God. And before I can move forward, before I can even honestly say that God wants to do something with my life, I have to give God my life. The Bible, the, the beauty of the gospel is this. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And wherever you're at in life today, 
the distance between you and God has already been solved through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he so loved you that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but they would have everlasting life. And today, all you have to do to be saved, all you have to do to know that your eternity, that heaven is your destination and that your eternity is secure in God is that you have to, we repent of our sins, we turn away from them, we don't go back to them, but we turn away from them completely. But then we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that when he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins that we would have had to pay had he never come but the beauty is that he did come and he came for you. And if you're here today and you want Jesus in your life, you wanna give your life to Christ, you wanna be made brand new, you want all of this demolition to be worth it, you wanna be renewed, you wanna be rebuilt, and you want God to take control of your life, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna point you out, I'm not gonna embarrass you. If you wanna be saved today, just raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, I wanna be saved, I wanna give my life to Jesus. God bless you, God bless you. Hands are already going up. God bless you, once you put it up, you can put it down. I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I to be saved today, Pastor. I want to give God my life. If you're watching us on live stream, here's what we're going to do. If you raise your hand or if you didn't, or if you're watching us and, and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to walk with Christ. Here's what we're going to do. Saying this prayer, we're going to pray together. This prayer itself won't make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ and repenting and putting your faith in Christ is all that it takes to be saved. But let's make a public declaration out of our mouth that we're putting our faith in Jesus and we're giving our life to God today. The whole church is gonna pray with you so you're not praying it by yourself. So church, let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe you lived a perfect life. You died on the cross and that you rose three days later. That through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I wanna follow you. So I believe in you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time.